Coming up, it's Philosophy Talk. I know a lot of people out there seem to think that uh, I don't get angry. That's just not true. I get angry a lot. If you're not mad, you're not paying attention. If politeness isn't getting you anywhere, maybe it's time to unleash your political fury. You remember my anger translator, Luther. Why, hello. Is anger counterproductive? When someone calls out injustice, don't criticize their tone. Punching up, punching down. What if we all just stop punching each other? It's all part of rough and tumble politics. I hate you! Where do you draw the line between righteous rage and ruthless revenge? Usually when we think about anger, we think about fury and not necessarily grief. Our guest is Maisha Cherry, author of The Case for Rage, Why Anger is Essential to Anti-Racist Struggle. Anger at Injustice. Righteous Rage. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. On Wednesday, March 8th, come be part of a live recording of Philosophy Talk on the Stanford campus. We'll be thinking about the philosophy of smell with experimental psychologist Asfa Majid. This event is free and open to the public. Everybody's welcome. More information at philosophytalk.org. That's Wednesday, March 8th at 7 p.m. in Leventhal Hall of the Stanford Humanities Center. Smell you later. Shouldn't we get angry at injustice? Won't rage just beget more rage? Don't some things deserve our anger? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Accept your intelligence. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ray Briggs. We're coming to you via the studios of KALW San Francisco Bay Area. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ray teaches philosophy, and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today, we're thinking about righteous rage. Righteous rage. That sounds like an oxymoron to me, Ray. I mean, is righteousness really about rage and destruction? I, I think it's more about building something, building a world that's kind, fair, and loving. Oh, yeah, Josh. I want to live in that world, too. But just look around you. There's injustice everywhere. You know, dictators oppressing their citizens, corporations destroying the environment, neo-Nazis spewing racism everywhere. Doesn't it just make you mad? Well, okay. I mean, I, I definitely do get mad sometimes. I, I, I'm only human, but you know, I kind of wish I didn't get mad as much of the time. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be one of those people who flies into a rage every time someone cuts them off in traffic. I'm not talking about road rage. It doesn't matter if someone cuts you off in traffic. Getting upset about that is just petty and self-centered. I'm talking about anger at social injustice. That matters enough. You should get upset about it. I mean, how are we ever going to change the system if we just let ourselves get complacent? Well, I mean, I totally agree that the system is unfair, but the question I'm asking is, is anger the solution? Think about what Seneca said. He says, he says look, look at all the people committing all those atrocious crimes. If you got as angry at them as they deserve, you'd go mad with rage. You'd end up with, with torches and pitchforks, revenge killing, it's whole cities being sacked. I'm not defending murder, but you don't have to kill someone every time you get angry. Like, look, there are more productive ways to channel your emotions. You could speak out against injustice, or, or you could join an activist movement and agitate for change. Yeah, but, but even if you're not, you know, killing anyone or sacking cities or something, I mean, still, aren't there better emotions to appeal to, like, like love? Why not both? I mean, you can be angry because you're sticking up for someone you love. Or you can be angry at someone you love because you expect better from them. I'm not against love. 
what have you got against anger anyway? <laughs> well, okay, here's one thought. Um, you know, sometimes anger can be off-putting. You know, so, so, so suppose there's someone who cares about you and, and wants to help you, but, you know, you just rant and rave at them about how unfair the world is, like I do sometimes. I mean, don't, don't you think they'll be a little turned off? <laughs> well, yeah, some people are just turned off the instant anybody criticizes them or has any kind of difficult emotion. But that's kind of on them, don't you think? I mean, if somebody can't tolerate your anger, do they really even love you? Do they even count as an ally? Well, maybe those friends and family members are wrong to get put off. I totally take that point. But that doesn't change the fact that they sometimes do get put off. In fact, quite a lot of the time, I think that happens. You know, anger sometimes scares away potential allies. So even when it's completely justified, my worry is it can still be damaging to the cause. Well, OK, but I, I still think anger has a lot of benefits that you're not seeing. You know, it can be a sign of self-respect. If somebody treats you unfairly because of your race or your gender or your disability, sticking up for yourself is a way of saying, hey, I'm actually worth something. And sticking up for other people is a way of showing respect for them. That's a really good point, especially when it's the person getting angry on their own behalf. But I'm not necessarily entirely convinced about cases where it's someone getting angry for the sake of other people. That can sometimes just be a way of drawing attention to yourself. Yeah, fair enough. I've, I've seen that happen, too, and I don't really know what to say about it. But I bet our guest does. It's Maisha Cherry, the author of a new book, The Case for Rage, Why Anger is Essential to Anti-Racist Struggle. Thinking of anger in the fight for justice, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, to talk to two longtime organizers about how righteous rage has fueled their activism. She files this report. The Occupy movement of 2011 didn't last long, just a few months. But the rallying cry against severe wealth disparities, we are the 99%, didn't go away after the tents came down. It happened as people were still reeling from the financial crisis of 2008. Protesters had set up tent cities first near Wall Street and then in cities around the world. One of them was in Oakland, California. During a march there, captured on video, two people debated the role of anger in organizing. One protester says diversity of tactics is needed. Another disagreed and said you need to convert anger into compassion. At one point, the crowd chants fight back. During one of those marches, police fired tear gas and baton rounds, severely injuring one protester. I guess I would define righteous rage as rage that's justifiable. Cat Brooks was one of the organizers there with Occupy Oakland. That rage gets triggered by the daily micro and macro aggression. Now Brooks is with the Anti-Police Terror Project, a coalition with the stated goal of eradicating police terror in communities of color. She says any organizer working on social justice issues taps into righteous rage. That's how you get people out to city council meetings and out into the streets. But anger, unaddressed, can also make people sick and unhealthy. I'm an older head in the movement, and I, you know I was raised in the organizing school of drink, smoke, work to death, die. <laughs> she saw people burn out and drop out of the movement. Now she says younger organizers are more clear about setting boundaries and not overworking themselves. Anger is one thing, but she also feels a lot of deep sadness. I'm working with a family now where the mother was really adamant that I look at the pictures of her dead son on, on a slab, on, on a metal slab after he'd been beaten to death by um, LA County sheriffs. And I sobbed for hours 
it's it's exhausting to be sitting in this work all of the time to be you know acutely aware of injustice every every waking moment of every single day but sometimes anger can be an antidote to exhaustion when you're angry about something the synapses start going and your energy comes back it's very hard to be in a rage and be tired at the same time Jennifer Friedenbach is with the Coalition on Homelessness in San Francisco, a group that organizes with unhoused people. She says she feels every emotion several times a day. It's just, you know, defeat, tiredness, and then being energized um, by something that is really wrong. Like last December, when San Francisco Mayor London Breed talked about cracking down on drug users and dealers. Freedom Box says a lot of people who showed up at the Board of Supervisors meeting were angry that addiction was being criminalized. Did you even talk to any homeless people? Vote no and get something real in writing. Vote no on Mayor Giuliani's war on drugs. Vote no on Black Lives Don't Matter. Righteous Rage is a tool for organizers, but you rarely hear journalists publicly acknowledging their own anger. That's what happened recently in an episode of the podcast Reveal from the Center for Investigative Reporting. It's during a series looking at racial justice called Mississippi Goddamn. I think it's beautiful that you want to inspire people. I do. I love that about you. That's host Al Etson talking to reporter Jonathan Jones. And in certain ways, I do want to like do work that inspires people. But really, at this point in my life and where I am, I don't want to inspire people. I want to infuriate people. I want, I want to make work that make people burn so hard that they feel like this injustice is wrong and they want to go out and they want to tear it all down. Alabama's got me so upset. Righteous anger in songs and storytelling can push people to act. The question from there becomes, what's next? What happens in the aftermath of the rage? Everybody knows about For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly T. McDeed. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.